This is Radio Health Journal. I'm Reed Pence. This week, how COVID stress is wearing down almost everyone. Even the patients I see who tend to be COVID deniers seem angry. You know, people in general seem more angry, and that's an effect of it. What to do when you're literally tearing your hair out when Radio Health Journal returns. I'm Nancy Benson, host of Radio Health Journal. If you enjoy listening to Radio Health Journal, you'll also like our sister show, Viewpoints, which covers a wide array of topics from education to history to the environment. Here's a preview of what they're covering this week on Viewpoints. It's very expensive, it's rugged, it's manly, it's violent. So it has all kinds of extremes. The dominance of football in American culture. Then, the image of science is on the rise. Science is really having a moment during the pandemic. The perception of science. I'm Marty Peterson. And I'm Gary Price. These stories in depth this week on your public affairs magazine, Viewpoints. Listen to Viewpoints on your favorite radio station and subscribe and listen to shows anytime on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. America is on the brink of a mental health collapse, according to psychologists. We're worn down after eight months of COVID and now another spike. 230,000 deaths, millions of jobs lost, demonstrations in the streets, a bitter election and an unsure future. Nearly 80% of adults say they're stressed about the pandemic, and 60% admit they're overwhelmed by all the issues we face, according to a survey for the American Psychological Association. Psychologists see the strain in almost everyone coming through their doors, like Dr. Kate Harkness, professor of psychology at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario. I don't think I have talked to a single person who has not felt stress at least a little, yes. Everyone is feeling it in some way for some reason, whether it's the stress of the disease itself and worries about getting it and transmitting it to others, or whether it's stress related to the social distancing, work from home, increased caretaking responsibilities. This has been such a multifaceted stressor that it pretty much is affecting everybody universally. I don't know anyone who isn't affected. Even the patients I see who tend to be COVID deniers seem angry. You know, people in general seem more angry, and that's an effect of it. So it's either the virus through the economy or schooling changes from preschool to graduate school, travel the economy. I mean, I would challenge you to find me someone who isn't stressed or angry or using drugs to not be stressed or angry. I think it affects all of us. That's psychiatrist Dr. Jennifer Love, co-author of the upcoming book, When Crisis Strikes, Five Steps to Heal Your Brain, Body, and Life from Chronic Stress. She says our stress responses vary greatly. The same pressures that make one person freak out may leave another only mildly affected. But even that leaves both physical and psychological results. So if any of this sounds like you, it's time to do something about stress. Moderate stress levels, you might have people having a much harder time falling asleep at night, laying awake in bed, thinking about things, or just feeling a little agitated and restless in bed, muscle tension, a little bit of weight gain sugar cravings, increased seeking of distractions, whether it's increased alcohol intake, video games, phone games, social media, television. We can see people with a lower mood, 
the fuse gets shorter, our tolerance for chaos becomes smaller and smaller as our stress grows. And as our stress grows, the physical wreckage gets worse. Some of those severe responses to stress might include some more severe symptoms of anxiety. So anxiety to the point where it's hard to turn the worries off and do other things. The anxieties are really interfering with people's sleeps and routines. They're not eating as well as usual. They're having great difficulty sleeping. And could be to the point where there are also symptoms of depression that come online, feelings of hopelessness. When's this ever going to end? People really withdrawing from the sorts of things that they enjoy doing, withdrawing from their social contacts. There can also be things of just becoming exhausted, not having any initiative, not really wanting to get out, to get up, to even do anything on, on a daily basis. That's Dr. Chell Torhovic, a clinical neuropsychologist in Norway and co-author of When Crisis Strikes. It's very individual, I think. In our patients, it's quite often it can be exhibited in the sense of, for example, a little even more aggression, a little more emotional volatility, more difficulty regulating their feelings and their thoughts, and even an increase of of self-harm just almost as a coping mechanism to deal with these difficulties. Different age groups also report varying abilities to deal with the stress we're all feeling. People in Generation Z, in their teens and early 20s, report being more stressed than any other age group. They feel lockdowns far more than anyone else. When we are younger, our development, our lives, our interests are largely peer-driven. And that starts, you know, around kindergarten age when we're really young. We do parallel play where we'll be next to kids, but we just kind of do our own thing. And once we start incorporating our peers around us in that kindergarten-ish age and throughout our 20s, we are peer-driven. We are socially driven. What people around us do matters a lot more to us. And then we kind of re-individualize a little bit more as we go through later in life. So I think having such a disruption to being around friends and going through normal developmental challenges is really hard for this age group. As you might expect, unremitting stress can be especially hard on people who are already dealing with mental health issues. There's already a tendency in this group to kind of isolate, to pull back and avoid any kind of contact because they're often very unsure about how to deal with everything from small talk and just really a fear of being around people and how to interact with them. That's being kind of accentuated and even worsened in the sense of that their isolation is becoming even more serious. And part of my work is to try to get them out into social environments, into school, into a workplace, you know, to give them feelings of dealing and tackling with their everyday lives. And all these things are kind of just being disrupted. So the stress responses in these individuals are even more serious than what we see, in, of course, in the general public, who's also dealing with really a new reality. However, the new reality isn't all that new anymore. And that's one of the factors now creating a mental health crisis. People can take severe stress on a short-term basis, but we're just not built for months and months of stress with no respite. People may wake up with panic attack. They can develop painfully tight muscles. This is where you see people, you know, with neck and back pain, clenching their jaws while they're sleeping. So you're reading a lot about people breaking their teeth off. Muscle cramping, dizziness, not feeling well, having salt cravings. And then we start getting what I hate the most, the muffin top or the panda belly, I call it, or growing little gels. You know, it's that 
weight that kind of really starts coming on in those areas. People start living from coffee to coffee to coffee or from soda to soda. They're just exhausted. They have a low sex drive. Their hair falls out. There's a ton of just really awful things that then make us feel even worse than we already do. A lot of people turn to comforts like alcohol and junk food. Those do a nice job making us feel better short term. But in the long run, they make some stress reactions in the body worse. Harkness says it takes time for the body to crash as a result of unremitting stress, and that's why it's taken this long for many of these physical symptoms to show up. We know that chronic stress activates the body and it releases hormones in the body. Cortisol is one of the big ones, and cortisol acts on the immune system to regulate the immune system. And usually it does that really effectively and efficiently, but with chronic cortisol exposure, you actually get this kind of like the cortisol isn't having that dampening effect on the immune system that it's supposed to have, and the immune system kind of goes haywire and releases pro-inflammatory chemicals throughout the body, and those can have wide-reaching effects on a lot of different organ systems. So the acne, for example, that is actually due to inflammation of parts of the skin that release oil. Headaches can also be due to inflammation. So migraine headaches, for example, are often due to inflammation. So people who have migraines find that they are even worse during periods of stress. Harkness says autoimmune diseases are also likely to get worse under heavy stress. And Love says it also makes heart disease more deadly. Cortisol in and of itself can increase our cholesterol levels. The triglycerides, which are the fats in the bloodstream, can increase blood pressure. It gets us ready for that fight or flight. Blood sugar changes. And so stress if people are smoking, then they're at more risk for the heart disease. And longer term, there's even changes in blood clotting. Cortisol also alters our immunity. So initially, it's protective, it's anti-inflammatory, but when stress goes on and on and on and on, and our adrenal glands can't keep up, and the cortisol levels are kind of falling, that's when we become more susceptible to infections, to autoimmune problems, and to you know developing allergies, mild allergies, or just getting sick all the time. No matter how many stress symptoms you're having, Harkness says there are steps you can take to feel better. Steps that don't involve alcohol, comfort food, video games, or medications. One thing that we know is really helpful in regulating stress responses and regulating the immune system is keeping a consistent schedule during the day. So waking up at the same time every morning, going to bed at the same time every night to the extent possible is really helpful in regulating immune function in the face of stress. And certainly trying as much as one can to keep active physical activity. And there are even things that one wouldn't think of. So there's really interesting research coming out now showing that walking in nature, that the actual nature itself has beneficial effects on immune function. And also that social interaction. Now, I know we're supposed to be physically distant, but that doesn't mean that we should be socially isolated. So having interaction, whether it's over a Zoom call or over the phone or in an appropriately physically distanced manner in person, that that is probably one of the very best buffers of stress that scientists have ever found, ever. Hovick and Love say you can also get a grip. Take a look at what's underneath your stress and separate out things you can do something about. What is it that you can focus on? What is it that you have 
a chance to do something about, and it's what you have control over. So a lot of the focus is on, let's say, what do you have control over in your daily life schedules? What can you make as routines? What can you do with your family? What can you do with your social network? What can you do with your emotional state? What's the fun things that you do? You need to take care of yourself in this whole process. So having a focus on the things that you have good control over is something that's going to give you more stability, more security, a feeling of a meaningful daily life. However, no matter how hard we try ourselves, sometimes the strain is too much. So how do you know when it's time to stop toughing it out and get professional help? The main thing that I'm interested in, in terms of knowing whether this is something that goes beyond the kind of everyday reactions to stress that we all have, is to know how their symptoms are interfering with their functioning. So are they progressing to the point where they are having trouble doing the things they need to do at work or trouble taking care of their family the way they need to or keeping them up night to the point where they're so tired during the day that they can't, they are having trouble with their functioning. That's when I start to think that this is something beyond just, you know, we all have to deal with stress in our lives. And most people are quite resilient and can cope with it fairly well. But when it gets to that point of interfering with functioning, that's when I'm starting to think that strategies beyond lifestyle, you know, changes, you know, sleeping well and eating well and all of those sorts of things might be warranted. You can find support from the National Alliance on Mental Health Helpline at 800-950-NAMI, 800-950-6264 or online at nami.org. That's N-A-M-I dot org. You can find out more about all of our guests on our website, radiohealthjournal.org. I'm Reed Pence. For those who qualify for Medicare, fall open enrollment is underway now. If you pay out of pocket for prescription drugs, choosing the right Medicare prescription drug plan can help save money. Picking a plan that fits your needs can be a simple process with these tips and by working with a trusted partner like Walgreens, who has a number of tools available online and in-store. First, evaluate your plan every year as coverage and benefits change. Also, talking to an independent insurance broker can help, which is why Walgreens teamed up with eHealth, an independent fully licensed insurance broker to offer free advice, which may save you hundreds of dollars and no obligation to enroll. Last, check if your pharmacy is in your plan's preferred network. A Walgreens pharmacist can help lower costs by finding generic alternatives or a lower-cost brand-name medicine to treat the same condition. Visit walgreens.com medd to learn more and get started. That's walgreens.com medd. Chemotherapy is the backbone of cancer treatment. However, there are inherent risks associated with compounding and administering intravenous solutions. This concerns some pharmacists, such as Dr. Jeffrey Lombardo of the University at Buffalo, also a spokesperson for Sun Pharma, who welcomes options such as Infugem, gemcitabine in sodium chloride injection, the first and only pre-mixed formulation of this commonly used chemotherapy agent. Taking proper precautions with compounding is essential to protect the healthcare workers who handle these materials and to ensure that patients receive high-quality chemotherapy at the right dose. Premixed options using engineering controls eliminate accidental exposure to toxic substances that may happen through mixing. 
More information is available at Infugem.com. Infugem is contraindicated in patients with a known hypersensitivity to gemcitabine. Infugem can cause increased toxicity with infusion time greater than 60 minutes or dosing more frequently than once weekly. Monitor and, if necessary, discontinue Infugem for myelosuppression, pulmonary toxicity, and respiratory failure. Monitor renal function for hemolytic uremic syndrome and hepatic toxicity. Infugem can cause fetal harm. Advise females and males of reproductive potential to use effective contraception. Advise women using Infugem not to breastfeed. Infugem may cause severe and life-threatening toxicity when administered during or within seven days of radiation therapy. Discontinue Infugem in case of capillary leak syndrome or posterior reversible encephalopathy syndrome. The most common adverse reactions for the single agent are nausea, vomiting, anemia, increased aspartate aminotransferase, increased alanine aminotransferase, neutropenia, increased alkaline phosphatase, proteinuria, fever, hematuria, rash, thrombocytopenia, dyspnea, and edema. Please see full prescribing information at infugem.com infusion-pi. And that's Radio Health Journal for this week. Radio Health Journal is a production of MediaTracks Communications. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to learn more. And check Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify for a library of past programs. Plus, you'll always find previous segments and information about our guests at RadioHealthJournal.org. Join us again next week for another edition of Radio Health Journal. Coming up next week on Radio Health Journal... As bad as it is now, I think our fear is that it could get a lot worse. If we wait, things may be completely out of hand, and then it will be far harder to get things back under control. Why can't we have family gatherings and restaurant meals? Then flathead syndrome and what parents of babies can do about it. We saw many, many more cases after pediatricians instructed parents to put their kids on the back of their heads. All that and more on Radio Health Journal.